Hello everybody, welcome back to the Rewatch Podcast. I am your host, Can't Wear Hats, and we are here to discuss Season 4, Episode 13 of Babylon 5. And with me, as always, is Red Nightmare. Zooty, zoot, zoot. <laughs> yeah, zooty, zoot, zoot. God, I love that bit. It's, it's so, so stupid. Uh, yeah, but it's funny. Come on. Okay, that is true. <laughs> it's always funny when an actor gets to go loose uh, on comedy a little bit. Oh, yeah. So maybe that'll make more sense as we get into the episode. Anyway, so... Barely? Uh, yeah, who knows. <laughs> anyway, we should get into things because... Oof, there's a lot to unpack in this episode. Things get real. Yeah, I mean, we're in season four. Things are, you know, picking up. So without further ado, let's go to Babylon 5. And we start out in the mess hall. You know, we've seen the mess hall plenty of times yeah the captain is sitting uh, at the table to the right got his feet up yeah but then in comes commander Ivanova, zach allen dr franklin and marcus they all walk in to get some food and they say hello to the captain but he just he's just not replying he's just sitting there staring off in the middle distance yeah <laughs> What the hell, Sheridan? To be fair, I have had those days. And so Alan tries to start a conversation. It's like, hey, good job with convincing Londo and Gakar to let the White Star ships patrol the edges of their territories. You know, mm-hmm. again, nothing, just flat nothing. And then Alan's like, well, your next problem will be convincing the League of Non-Aligned Worlds to do the same thing. Mm. Silence. Yeah. <laughs> He's not, like, throw them a bone here, Sheridan. Come on. To be honest, I thought at any moment he could just pull out earplugs like, sorry, what? What? <laughs> yeah, but so Ivanova also seems to agree with the, you know, the the problem that it's going to be a problem, convincing the non-aligned worlds to do that. And so, like, you know, they always suspect there's an ulterior motive and they always distrust each other. That does get a rise from Sheridan. He's laughing. And so, you know, they keep talking about their day-to-day stuff, but they're, they're still they're also very confused by the captain. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> so the problem is, is that most of the League worlds, right, they don't see things like, you know, raiders and the drac. They're not their problem. They've been left alone. Basically, and I think one of them points that out, like, they won't do anything until the problem is literally breathing down their neck. Yeah, I mean... We Dutch have a saying that roughly translates to, you don't close the well until the calf has drowned, if that makes sense. Well, it's it's like shutting the stable door after the horse has bolted. Yes. That's the equivalent, yeah. Yeah. You know, we've seen them do this sort of thing before. They're, you know, they've been here for a, a while now, so you feel like they would maybe have a better idea of the dangers, but no. So what's funny is Sheridan, he's chuckling again, and so Ivanova just looks at him and is like, okay, what do you think? What are you doing? What's going on? And they're like, it's finally happened. Sheridan has finally cracked on all this pressure. He's gone now. Finally, God. I mean, <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner, to be honest. I mean, coming back from the dead can be quite... Oh, right, I actually yeah. have no idea what that does to you, honestly. <laughs> you get 20 more years if you're going to be sane or not. is a different thing. Mm, yeah, I mean, pff, that whole thing. I mean, that kind of angle in a sci-fi show is always just a bit ridiculous, coming back from the dead, you know. Yeah, we talked about uh, at length about that at the beginning of the season. Yeah, you can go back and listen to that episode if you want to refresh your... Uh, you know, <laughs> memories of what we thought. We had opinions. Look, I had to edit that down quite a lot, you know. <laughs> I didn't swear that much. Well, still. Anyway, so Sheridan doesn't say anything. And then he just slams his hand on the table. And he's like, that's it. I've got it. I have gone mad. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> well, he, he, he joins the others at their table. And he's like, okay, everything you said is right. You know, they're very suspicious. They always want an ulterior motive. So there's no way I'll be able to convince the League into signing on. So I'll try another method. Not convincing them. (laughs) 
So he has gone mad. Sharon basically says, okay, take three White Star ships and head out to their border. Yeah, go to Sector 87, wait further orders. What do we do when I get there? So I will let you know. <laughs> I don't know us. yet. I'm figuring it out. <laughs> and so he leaves, and then Ivanova goes over to his table. <laughs> I love this. And picks up his coffee and like looks in it is like and smells it. It's like, oh, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be a problem if he'd started drinking on the job in the morning. <laughs> Uh, assuming it's just alcohol. And then Franklin says, well, you know, if Sheridan is like this after th- just three days away from Delenn, what's it going to be like after another week? Yeah, because we cut to that. Delenn... Speaking of... Mm-hmm. She's, um... She got some bad news. I mean, the, this was a long time coming, but they lost contact with the Beacon, uh, sending messages back to her home planet, and reports are coming in that the basically a civil war is broken out between the casts. Yeah, and we're actually we're in hyperspace and there's a her ship and a flight of white stars. They're going to Minbar. That's where mm-hmm. they're heading. And so yeah, uh, then Lenia comes in and he, he's basically reporting the situation is foreboding. There's fighting erupting in the capital. The civil war that she had been so worried about has finally started. So yeah. Hmm. Things not looking good for Minbar. No. So yeah, Delane is sat in a viewing chamber, you know. Yeah, because we Sorry, we have title cut there. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. When, as soon as I mentioned Civil War, actually, it cuts on uh, the into the titles. So we come back and, you know, Lenia and Delenn are in the viewing chamber. And she's, like, flicking through the beautiful cities from back on Minbar that she remembers. And, you know, they were ageless, eternal. The Grey Council was revered among people with great awe. But now everything's gone to shit, basically. <laughs> I mean, she hasn't seen anything of the, is this yet, but just... Like, just the thought of your hometown being, or whatever, just being a crater or a war zone right now, which suddenly felt very relevant because that happens a lot in the modern world as well. Yeah, uh, you know, some it, this may be, you know, a fairly old sci-fi show, but it still has some relevant themes. That's why I'm, you know, that's why I'm glad we decided to do this one because, you know, it's turned out pretty well. It's been pretty yeah. good. Mm. But yeah, Delenn's, you know, she's feeling very regretful she's like did i do the right thing when i broke the council debatable lenny is trying to he's invoking valen and saying you know don't worry you know but they know the truth about valen and his words have a caveat to them Mm. and you know sinclair left them late last year everything they're experiencing now though they he couldn't have seen that coming no that's like i think i can't remember what the show actually says but it was related to how oracles worked it's like limits to them yeah they they have some limited foreknowledge but not as detailed so they couldn't have seen all all of this Mm. and you know she thought that the rigors of minbar Mimbari society would have momentum and would keep going despite not having the council around. Can we just take a moment actually here to acknowledge Mira Furlan giving an amazing speech basically. Yeah, she basically it's not quite a monologue because Lenier is also there, mm-hmm. but she basically carries this scene of reflecting on what's happened to Minbar and how she feels responsible and it's it's really good acting, yeah. Yeah, it's really gut-wrenching like has the my entire home planet going to shit. Is that my fault? Yeah. I mean, it's only limited to the capital right now so yeah right now that's the problem it's may well spread to other parts of minbar and yeah this the whole society is falling apart you know that's not going to be good for anybody so lanier leaves her there to um i guess contemplate some more look at family vacation pictures but when he leaves he says well it was a beautiful city and like dude he, he very specifically puts emphasis on the was i'm like Dude, like, have some idea, like, some tact, man. Like, I, I was expecting her to respond with, like, yes, 
it was. But she just is still, like, staring at the screen. Or and just like, leaves. yes, it will be again. Yeah, that would be maybe hopeful. But, yeah, well, but... I mean, hopeful isn't really the, the tone of this scene. No, that's That true, wouldn't really but... fit. And... It's like rubbing salt in the wound. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> You've been with her for a while now. You should you should know better than this. Anyway. Uh... <sighs> oh, jeez. Oh, ow. Oh, never do... Oh. Wow, never doing that again. Where the Why? hell are we? I don't know. Babylon 5? Oh, God, no, 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 no. Not the Babylon 5 DVDs. No, oh, no. We need to We need to move our, our evil selves around here. Yeah, this has to be the mirror universe. Another wormhole. Go through. Oh, God, another wormhole. Okay, no, quick, run, run. Now that they've been damaged, they have to actually figure out what damage the shuttle they said it the hull is designed to withstand meteorites like five times larger than the puncture hole yeah that makes sense because uh, actually nice reference to real life physics the um hulls of spaceships in real life are also based uh, to resist micrometeors because that's a real problem like space is empty air quotes there's there's a lot of junk around there that you don't want to be hit by hmm, cool and so yeah Tucker thinks that whatever hit the shuttle could have damaged Enterprise, and they're they're trying to figure it out. They don't they don't know, so mm. they're like, "All right, well, we've got nothing. Let's just they have they so they sit down and they start to talk about memories because they still they're still well at least Reed is convinced that they're gonna die, and I guess Tucker isn't, but yeah, really exemplifying the difference between these two people. I mean, that's this entire episode, right? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Stick two people in a room together for several days and see how well they get on i mean i've no idea what that could be like yeah no idea at all <sighs> look okay you didn't have to agree to this D- just because you don't like the show it's fine okay it's fine it's not the best star trek's been but it's fine look we're only in season one i'm telling you it gets better okay it gets better. okay fine fine just sorry, keep going right, okay we'll yeah, cut we'll that out on. later yeah I'm, I'm sure i'll remember to cut that out in the edit and so yeah they're talking about people that they used to know mm-hmm. there was a bar that the recruits would go to uh the 602 club and tucker's like i knew a waitress named ruby she was the girl of my dreams man yeah i don't think he mentions waitress at this point right but he yeah, does yeah. say like yeah it's like um ruby had it all figured out and malcolm then suddenly is like wait ruby you mean the waitress yeah you knew her yeah more times than i can remember <laughs> and he's like "Oof, oh wow okay apparently we have more income than we thought which is nice it's a bit on the nose but i'll take it yeah but so they said oh, it's good we have something in common and then tucker says well would you rather spend the next two days warm or would you want to stay alive for two and a half days but be freezing your butt off instead because i know a way we can divert power from the heaters to make the air recyclers last longer mm. and it would have pegged malcolm to be like yeah Never mind, what's a half day extra? But he does say, like, okay, I'll take freezing in this case. So then we have a cut, and we cut back in on... Reed has got an electric razor, and he's he's starting to shave looking in a mirror. Actually, no, sorry, there's not a cut. I think he just stands up and starts doing it. Mm, could be. Yeah, and, you know, Trip is just like, what are you doing? Why are you bothering to do that? Oh, it's, uh, I figured, well, because we're in a um, completely oxygen-free area once we die... 
our bodies would be quite well preserved. So I'd uh, I'd like to look presentable. Trip actually thinks that Malcolm is finally looking up about that but no it's just this it's still him being extremely morbid but he does say like an officer is an officer at his best is always well groomed uh. Uh, yeah and so okay all right i have a i have another problem with this scene though because tucker is like okay i'm glad you got a positive attitude about something but you know you're wasting your time because if i remember my academy biology correctly hair and nails keep growing after death a few days which is bullshit that's not true at all about that look okay i studied biology and i can tell you that is a myth that is a big weirdly prevalent myth what actually happens is that you know your tissues shrink and uh, contract because of the loss of liquid and you know there's no body function and so it retracts and it reveals a bit more of the nail and hair so it seems like they're growing but they're not because why how would that even work yeah it's like all your metabolic processes stop at that point right yeah exactly you got it bingo and so yeah reed is this and he puts down the mirror and he's like all right fine i guess i won't shave it's like mm-hmm. okay star trek i'll give you a pass on a lot of things you know a lot of made-up science a lot of mm-hmm. physics whatever nobody really understands that anyway but this come on i mean you're better than this surely i mean to be fair it, it's a bit cynical of star trek to think that that myth will persist even yeah. hundreds of years yeah. into the future right it's 20 whatever 23 22 something i don't know what year it is maybe you start it yet that helps but that's true they, they it's like november 15th or something when they do the the log entry which wouldn't work in space what because different speeds traveling time progressing at different uh rates doesn't actually work oh right okay sure I guess that's why they use star dates later yeah. then. Or, you, again, that seems like something they would have maybe figured out already at this point. It's one of the trickiest things in, in sci-fi because you need to kind of make the whole universe progress at the same speed. Otherwise, shit gets weird. Mm. Which also makes me wonder if we'll ever be able to do like an intergalactic civilization where one planet goes five years faster than the other one. Yeah, like I said, that's, that's your area. I defer to you on that whole thing. I don't... Yeah. I don't i don't get all of that so then we cut back to enterprise actually and on the ship to pole has brought in her results of the investigation of the damage to enterprise and the other vessel mm-hmm. I, I like that they still think enterprise is blown up and we as the audience have just it's not even a mystery for us it's just we know that the enterprise is fine yeah but they don't which i mean it works for the for the episode very well because like dramatic irony i guess yeah exactly how would you feel if you thought everybody was dead and so yeah she's saying that uh, it could be an important discovery it might be a micro singularity a thing which apparently archer is like that's a vulcan myth yeah but at the same time i get the impression that the vulcans think it's a myth but they haven't observed it or anything it's like it's weird because you uh, right now there are already people on earth theorizing micro wormholes exist they might not puncture holes in spaceships but like you'd think that it would be the other way around yeah i guess that's that's accurate the vulcans have been shown to be like ahead of humanity Mm -hmm. in this show but they do have some odd hang-ups you have to admit yeah that's true but yeah i do like that t'pol is basically really wants to do do data on this and archer has been like you're still chasing that i'm like can vulcans have obsessions 
Is that a thing that's possible? <laughs> I guess. It, it, I don't see why not. But so they're like, okay, we should signal the shuttle and set a different rendezvous point because if the shuttle goes back to where they were in the first place, they won't be protected against the mm. micro-singularities because the Enterprise has thicker hull plating and all that all that stuff. And also, Archer's actually quite accusatory towards the Pauls. Like, she wants to scan these impacts and basically prove a scientific theory. And Archer's like, yeah, can we think about our people first? Yeah, you know, Archer's... <laughs> He's always always seems to be a bit like that, where he's like, you know, I'm looking after my people. Science can go to hell, which is weird because they're on a scientific mission. But I mean, it's whatever. it's also I think it's also partially his animosity towards Vulcans. Oh yeah, right. Specified into in his interactions with Paul a little bit. Still a little bit of resentment of keeping humanity back. Right, and then back on the shuttle, it's still. Free. Ah! Oh, oh, oh god, that that always sucks. Oh god, okay, now where are we? Are we back? Uh, I I don't know. Here's a desk. What 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 is that? Okay, what does it No, 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 no. Enterprise? Oh, I love that show. No, we are not staying. We are not staying. <sighs> Fine. Look, we have to get this other podcast done. Okay, no. Okay, transporters. Follow me. Transporters. Okay, yeah, got it. Okay, you work the console. I'll uh, recompensate, yeah, uh, okay? Yeah. Just flush the okay, Heisenberg there compensators. We go. There we and... are. Engage. Yep. Why isn't it working? I'm pressing the button. Nothing's happening. Uh, try reversing the polarity. Wait. Oh, no. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Computer. And program. Ah, god damn it. Uh, why would you do that? Why? I don't know. Come on, let's just go look for the transporter room. Well, we have to find out where we really are now. All right, come on, let's go. So, yeah, Donna is talking to the fortune teller and... The fortune teller's, like, really pressing her influence on her. Mm, and holding her hands very tight. It's like, okay, when did you choose to turn left? When did you choose to meet the dog? What led you to that path? What decision? You know, really honing in on it. I think she's trying to find a single mm. point. Yes. Decision point back in Donna's life. And so she finds it where she's Donna's in the car talking to her mum there's an offer of a job and there's a temp job in the city that she did take the first time and her mum had uh, another offer a a local job that was uh, somebody's personal secretary of the copying bureau or something but it it was it's a permanent position it's a permanent position but it's you know not in the city that's her whole argument and so they come to a junction and it's like if you turn left they'll go into london and she'll go and apply you know get the temp job if she turns right, she'll go and get the other job, the uh, local one that's you know a permanent job. And so with the fortune teller's influence, what happens is Donna suddenly is like, you know what, you're right, I'm turning right, and clicks the thing over. That and the giant beetle that crawls on her back! Oh yeah, right, also that, yeah, I mean, that also that, happens. I, I, I would argue that that is relevant. Hats, that is relevant. Fair enough, we do see that crawling up her back, but yeah, she's like, I'm turning right, I'm turning right, you know, there's a, you know, the whole effects thing Drop the bass, real bass. <laughs> and so we then actually we just like it it changes everything mm. we cut to in fact christmas eve because uh, you know you know it's christmas because you can hear the christmas music in the pub and they're wearing christmas hats and that it also this scene opens on the camera above the door of a pub with neon sign saying merry christmas so yeah also it's, also it's that, now I mean, being very subtle no doctor who's never really subtle about christmas Let's no <laughs> you remember the episode with the robot santas you know all that stuff <laughs> 
there was the yeah. killer Christmas trees as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that's where Donna showed up was in a Christmas special. Right, true. And so, but she's at a Christmas party. She's getting drinks from the bar. She's got a tray full of drinks. And he's like, excuse me, coming through, coming through. And she's uh, sat down with her friends. And they're all like, hey, have a drink. And he's like, wait a minute, you got the last round. I thought it was my turn. And she's like, well, I got a promotion. You are looking at the personal assistant of Mr. Chowdhury. So, you know, things are looking good for Donna. It's also interesting because, like, these all these people sitting here, would she have ever met them in the time that she turned left? Well, they might have been her friends, but... Well, I, I, we don't know, actually. We don't really know. Yeah, right, we don't we're know. Not, we're not told. We... It's not explicit. Also, also, it yes, it has weirdly segued into this alternate thought experiment. It's not entirely sure what happened, what's happening right now. But well, yeah, yeah, it's it's an alternate reality universe thing, probably. Yeah, it's not entirely clear, but that's kind of fun of the mystery. Yeah. So we then actually somebody comes into the pub. And he's like, hey, look, there's a massive, there's a big star outside. It's a Christmas star. And everybody rushes outside. Before that happens, uh, one of Donna's friends keeps looking at Donna's oh, yeah. back. Yeah, right, right. And apparently this is somebody who's seen ghosts before. And she's like, is there something? And Donna's like, is there something on my back? What is it? No, I, I can't see anything. There's something I can't see. She's like, oh, you're being weird. And then, yeah, the guy comes in. It's like, the Christmas star. And they all rush outside. And we see flying above London, or, well, we see flying above the street, it is the Ragnos Webster from The Runaway Bride. Yep. So this is, you know, the alternate reality of, this is what happens when Donna isn't with the Doctor. Yeah, because it flies off everyone's looking at it like oh lovely a few people are like oh you know what that's a the mayor spending too much on decorations oh <laughs> so it's a bloody spaceship you <laughs> look it's your countryman not mine i know that's why it makes me angry <laughs> but donna actually points out that like that's not a star it's a web. But her friend, actually, whose name is Alice, is still staring at Donna's back this whole time. And she's more terrified than ever about it. And we also hear, at some points, we hear, like, the clicking sound the insect ma- yeah. makes. So the web star flies in, and it starts attacking London. Yeah. As it was trying to do. And we see, like, a montage of, like, army tanks rolling out, you know, yeah, shooting people at running, it. screaming. Alice still looking at Donna's back. Donna's standing still. Still, like the entire street clears and it's only Donna and Alice standing there. And yeah, everybody's running away, you know, getting into safety. But Donna is actually heading towards the Webstar. Could that be a buried instinct somewhere in there? Yeah, she seems to be looking oddly thoughtfully at it. Yeah, also almost like in a trance she goes towards it. Yeah, and so she heads towards it. Uh, we don't see how far she goes, but there is, like, she walks up to an ambulance. Yeah, and there's, like, soldiers around from, I don't know... Some military or something. Oh, come on, like... okay, look, it's Unit, we've been doing this show, we've been doing the Doctor Who Rewatch podcast for 14 years, and you don't know what Unit is, I... still. Look, you know me, I have a fuzzy memory for details, okay? Details? I do not pick up on the details. You like... remember who the Brigadier is? You're like, they're everywhere. No. How do you know, why am I, oh god, okay, no, we're not doing this again. Look, it's fine, just keep keep moving, it's like, it's not, it's okay. I didn't see it on their arms, okay? I didn't know they're that was like the They're wearing the red caps, it's very oh, obvious. Come on, any, I've seen more than enough military men wear red caps. It's okay, we're not having this fight again, we're not having this fight again, it's 14 years, it's just, we're okay. Look, I know there's, there's a conflict situation here, there's a disbalance of how we perceive things, like... Let's try to get back to where you were. All right, all right, all right, Mr. Psychology student. Fine. Okay, 
I'm sorry. That's my bad. I'm sorry. We'll we'll keep going. Yeah. So yeah, Donna comes around the unit soldiers and sees a body being put into the ambulance, and she can overhear on the radio the the guy talking about what happened and how the doctor drowned beneath the Thames. He died before he could regenerate. Yeah, and his arm, the arm of the body, drops from the gurney, and the sonic screwdriver falls out, and holy shit, the doctor's dead. Yeah, like for like like there he said he didn't get a chance to regenerate. Whatever killed him did it too quickly. Yeah, that that would affect the timeline. Also, it implies that Donna is the reason he's still alive. Yeah, because she was there. She was supposed to be there with him. Yeah, because she was the one that. What did she do again? That saved his life. She talked him down. She convinced him that he had to stop. That he'd done enough. Because this was still when the Doctor was kind of in a bit of a vengeful phase. And he was like, he was going a bit too far with the Ragnos. And so Donna walks away. And then, who do we see running down the street in the opposite direction? Holy shit, it's Rose. But yeah, none other than Rose freaking Tyler. It's like, what? Now, if you've been paying attention, you'll know that there were like little flashes of Rose on like TV screens. Like, you see her face. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's in a few episodes. I completely missed that. Yeah, she was, like, yelling out to the Doctor, like, trying to get in touch with him. But, yeah, this is the first time we've actually seen her in the flesh. And there she is. And holy crap, that's crazy. Donna clearly doesn't recognize her. Well, I mean, Donna never knew who she was in the first place. That's true. And so uh, she's asking information about the body that's been put in the ambulance. I mean, she might have seen photos of Rose on the TARDIS, but in Mm. this universe, she's never experienced that anyway on the other hand he might be cagey about the fact that he's traveled with a lot of women throughout the years yeah 10 come on man and so yeah rose is like well no that was the doctor it's like the donna's like yeah but it could have been any doctor they didn't say his name and then donna turns and then turns back and rose has disappeared before that rose does like apparently also see the insect it's like why do you keep looking at my back is there something on my back and then donna looks back and rose is gone oh like a ghost like a spooky <gasps> ghost I mean, it's look at that, though. Like, this whole thing is, like, a very common thing of how a tiny little decision can change so much and, like, really rewrite history and make a whole parallel reality where people are doing all kinds of crazy things. It's, like, re- realities that were never realized. No, that's good. Yeah, I like that. <gasps> okay, okay, okay. I think this looks like the computer. Okay, no, this is the, the actual Yeah, we're actually here. Studio. Oh, thank God. Okay, okay, where are we? Uh, I don't remember having a holodeck, so we're not in the right place. No, uh, but... Oh, Doctor Who DVDs. Oh, oh God, season four. Oh. My God, that's a large shelf. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of... Po- that means we've been doing that podcast for 14 years. No, we're not staying in this universe. Okay, yeah, no. Okay, um, TARDIS, TARDIS, over there. Go, yes, let's get that it, looks let's familiar. get it. I think I still have the key from the last time. Let's go. <laughs> It's the day of the wedding now, Yay. so it's time to put that whole plan into action. <laughs> yeah, that plan's been a long time coming, hasn't it? I mean, it was in the works, let's uh, let's be honest. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Mel and Ara, Simon and Kaylee go to the wedding reception, the formal dinner, uh, the formal breakfast, I guess, is the proper <laughs> term here. And they are dressed reasonably. I mean, Mel looks okay. Yeah. He really didn't put that much effort into it. <sighs> Typical Mel, really, you know. Yeah, no. 
But um, I love this minor detail. Did you notice? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. It's so yeah. good. Kaylee's wearing the same dress as in Shindig from this first season. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. All the way back in season one, yeah. Yeah, great. And uh, yeah, there's like food with tiny portions. Have you been in these restaurants? Or, like They give you like... Yeah. They have like a massive plate and like yeah. a tiny bit of food in the middle of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> Mal has the res- response to this that I have. Like, really? This is all? Really? <laughs> Sorry, are they hiding it under the cur- uh, under, cr- under the plate? Is like, do, what do you is mean this... this isn't the starter? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. But Templeton, uh, of course, walks up, gives it to go give a large speech, and there's that moment where Mel and Templeton lock eyes for a second, and just and just right, yes. the contrast of Templeton's sneer and Mel's <laughs> smug grin. Perfect. Because at this point, not only has he taken money that was used meant to basically shut him up, but because he couldn't Temple couldn't say that and Mel just got free money. Then use hey. that money to take a, even more money from him at the casino. <laughs> right. I mean at this point Mel, I don't think Mel needs to get paid anymore. No. <laughs> Remind me, are they they're just paying for this food or are they just No, that's a wedding reception. They don't Yeah, no, no, no. They're, they're here as honored guests and right, I mean yeah, they're sorry. not going to get paid for the job, but I mean you know, like you said they've got enough money as it is. Exactly. And like Badger broke the deal and as Mel said, a deal's a deal. So then it's Oh yeah, Templeton, right. He's talking about how great Liliana is, right? Mm-hmm. And I love that as he's having this speech, Mel rolls his eyes, and we get a cut to Zoe prepping for her part of the uh, show, also rolling her eyes over the comms. No, I mean, she <laughs> hears over the comms and then rolls her eyes. You don't right, act, yeah, yeah. You can't actually roll your eyes over the comms. If, if somebody else over comms can hear you rolling your eyes, please seek a doctor. <laughs> you may have loud eye syndrome. I don't know if that's real. Who knows? <laughs> You may be a cyborg. If that's <laughs> you can hear the gears turning when you roll your eyes. Yeah. So then, yeah, he then also presents the necklace to Liliana, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, but... to Liliana in air quotes mm-hmm, because that's Nova right now <laughs> in disguise, incognito. So while this all is going on, Anora's getting pretty drunk. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why they serve drinks at the breakfast, but whatever. I mean, breakfast mimosas are a thing, right? Yeah, no, she's had a few. Yeah, but she she has been drinking quite a lot. Which, I mean, given the circumstances, I can't blame her. True. It's like, what she's gone through is pretty rough these last p- past few episodes, but, Aww. like... She is a funny drunk. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's a hilarious drunk. We don't get to see it very often, and Lara's usually very composed, you know. Mm-hmm. But so, what are, uh, what are Kaylee and Simon doing, Red? I mean, pretty much trying to keep the booze away from Inara, <laughs> which is not working. It's, there's no way I can describe this, because it, it, it's visually, it's fantastic. If you can find the clip, go look for it. Because Yes, definitely. Yeah, because they're basically trying to move the mimosas away, but Nanara's grabbing them, as, basically as one turns around, to put the glass away, she grabs another one from somewhere else. It's <laughs> just, like this... just more and more of them, improbably. I did read uh, something that said that the crew actually had a lot of fun with this, and you can you can see it comes through in yeah, the, yeah, 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 in yeah. the episode. Like, I think if you, you look very closely, you can like see a snigger from uh, Jewel State in there, just cracking up just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just right before they cut away. Also, oh, you know what? Just one little detail I know I liked is that this is really the first time we're seeing Kaylee and Simon do a job together as a couple. Yeah. Which is nice. It's like, they're more comfortable around each other is what I'm getting. That tension is gone now. Yeah, remember all that tension back in season one? Like, it's mm. not there anymore. Like, yeah. it's... It's actually, it's good, you know, the second season's been a bit up and down, but this has been a, a higher point, definitely. Yeah, and I'm, I am glad that they do this, like, 
this early because most shows do that whole will they won't they <sighs> spiel. I hate that. God, yeah. it's the worst. Like I always say, that it's more interesting to see the the part after that when they're already in a relationship. Yeah. And now we get that in season two. That's great. And you know we're only like about halfway in, so you know we'll have plenty more of that. So yeah. In the meantime, Kaylee and Simon go to reception hall to keep up appearances while the rest of the crew sets the other plan in motion, which is to swap quote unquote swap Liliana, but. With Nova, but without making it appear like they've swapped. Because originally Nova got the necklace, was then supposed to later be swapped with Liliana. What they're now doing is swapping it again. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I will say this plan is a bit hard to keep track of, but... Yeah, it's a little bit convoluted, weirdly, but... A little bit. But yeah, no, so River and Zoe uh, head into the dressing room where the bridesmaids are all giggly and... <laughs> They've maybe had a few breakfast mimosas as well, I think. <laughs> I think they're just excited. I mean, oh, fair it enough. is the wedding of the millennium, let's be honest. This is true. It's like, it's going to be in all the magazines, hats. <laughs> all of them. Even the bad ones. Yeah. But so, yeah, the bridesmaids, they're a bit hesitant to do this, aren't they? I mean, two strange women coming in. Oh, yeah, we're now taking the bride and replacing it with this person. No, it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But then Sarah comes in, backs them up, and yeah. they're like, okay. We'll do that. Yeah. As they, like, do the whole switch and Zoe helps them, uh, Sarah and River stand out guard, I guess. It's like that quiet moment between these two, because we, we've seen them, like, bonding a little bit over weightlifting mm. and stuff, which is <laughs> going to make it all the more heartbreaking when Sarah finds out what they're doing. Yeah, that's not going to go well for them. Also, because the, this is a, a bit of a quieter scene, we get, you know to take in the uh, set dressing and the you know costuming for this episode which is really good like it looks looks great it toes that perfect line between modern and science fiction uh, not so much modern i mean space western space western yes <laughs> yeah. but also like having those tinges of um sci-fi in there yeah there's like a few maybe a few holograms around mm-hmm. in the nicer bits on the nicer tables maybe which is a lot on the rim's dream let's be honest yeah <laughs> And so then it's the reception. Like, we, we cut back to the reception at that yeah, point. Yeah, because Simon, I guess, Kaylee is probably talking to a bunch of old people about engines again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that always happens. Every time, you know. Every planet. <laughs> every freaking planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we've, we've made this joke before, but it's clearly their player being like, it's what my character would do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does, it does work. Yeah, but Simon sees one of the guards, like, looking a little bit suspicious. Like, he's rooting in one of the plants. Huh. And so he walks up to him and is like, taps him on the shoulder. Excuse me? <laughs> and the guard's a bit flustered at that and is like, then asks Simon who he is, because it makes sense. Yeah, and he, but he, he's able to, you know, say that we're security for the Baron now, so... Yeah, which is true. I don't know if they hired Simon specifically, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, it was more of a group thing, you know. We'll yeah. take your crew, you know. It's a package deal. You take all or nothing. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, God, God was checking for guns. Yeah, he says. And so Simon's like, okay, fine. Looks into the plant pot. There's like five pulse pistols there. All right, then... So yeah, the the guard's like, okay then. I, I was right. Yeah, clearly like, yeah, no, to- you, yeah, w- well done, well done. Uh, I, Simon takes them, basically brings them to another guard. And it's very clear that this guard was hiding those guns, not yeah. finding those guns. But he can't say anything about that. He did not do well on his bluff check, definitely. No, <laughs> no definitely not. But Simon does come to the others and says, um, guys, 
I think there's somebody else pulling something as well, because we don't have pulse pistols to hide in plans, do we? The rest of the crew is like, they're trying to figure out who could be behind this, mm-hmm. and they reckon it's probably the Blue Suns. Yeah, it's actually the watch who points that out, because they've uh, heard... The people that they ran into on the way to the wedding were also Blue Suns, so apparently they had already wanted to do something about the wedding, so I guess this is plan b yeah i mean clearly wash is the one on top of that whole situation Mm. can you imagine what would have happened if he hadn't been there to point that out yeah no you're right that would have been a disaster terrible so while the rest of the crew is keeping up appearance sarah has brought liliana to serenity for safekeeping it's not entirely sure how they're gonna get rid of sarah from the ship yet but they'll figure something out i'm sure it's like i mean they do have a seat available a room available now that jane's dead this is true, yeah. I mean, he might have been able to help, but, uh, you know, on balance, I think this is better. Sarah would be way more competent than Jane at the role, but aside from the fact that she's very loyal to the Baron, so that's not probably not going to happen. Which is a shame, because the actress playing Sarah is very good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Baron, actually, Zoe and Mal are mm. slipping away to the Baron ship. Yep, because they need to go, go get Daniel from uh, his imprisonment there. And, okay... this was straight out of a fucking jason bourne movie i think not a bomb movie jason bourne well i don't think jason bourne made that many puns (laughs) that's true actually good point (laughs) because there's two guards there that are trying to keep them out like you're not allowed in here even though you're security blah blah blah. and they just straight murder these people just dead just ripped like zoe just manages to get behind one and just choke him out and mal just shoves one to the side I don't know where he got... He got a silencer for for his revolver? Maybe it was in a plant pot. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is where people tend to keep their guns, apparently. He shoots the man in the back of the head. Another guard comes around the corner. He grabs him, shoves him into a spike somewhere, and just says, stick around. Oh, god damn it. I mean, <laughs> what the hell? God damn it, Mal. Yeah, uh... it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> That's that straight out of uh, the... What's the movie with uh, Commando, the one with Sylvester Stallone? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Straight out of that movie. Like, come on. A bit of a homage there, yeah. No, but it, it, they fight their way through a lot of guards. It's actually quite cool. But the, my favorite is still the one where they take the elevator, uh, a bunch of them take the elevator down, a bunch of guards. They get out. Mel and Zoe ambush him in the back. And Mel just said, should have taken the stairs. <laughs> All right, that one, was, that one was pretty good. I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah, that one wasn't as, like cringeworthy as stick around that, that was pretty good I no like let's be honest these all these jokes are very very forced and very very hackney yeah only a couple of them work it's yeah it just it seems like mal's puns have been getting worse this season you know yeah it's one of the few things i'm not sure about you know for season two no it's not as good as the first season that's for sure but it's not bad we've got you know there's some more stuff to come we'll 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 see yeah, yeah, fair point, fair point. It, it, I mean, it does tend to pick up at the end of the season. That's what happened in season one as well. The best episodes were at the end. Yeah, exactly. So we'll, yeah, we'll get there. Whoa, 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 whoa. Gee, okay. That was okay. a rough landing. Yeah. Um, where are we now? Yeah, are we back? Where are we? Oh, God, know. okay. Hats! Hats! What? Oh my god! Look! Oh god! Firefly season two? <gasps> no, no, okay, okay, no, no we still no, can't no. say, we still can't say, no, no, no there's a wormhole the opening over seasons. there! Come on! No, come on, we have to go, we have oh, to get no. back! Leave me here. Yeah, they're trying to dial the gate again, but it 
uh, it's just not working at all nope and so uh sam comes up to the meeting room mm-hmm. where they're all there and she basically rattles off a technobabble explanation for why the gate's not working you know re-feeding power into the power distributors but it's not accepting you know this whole thing uh, and so Martin, who's there, like, he's still there, you know. Yeah, and he's like, wait, that's brilliant. Could you repeat that? And Sam just says, no. He's like, okay, okay, I gotta write this down. Give me a moment. This is gold. Yeah. And so Vala walks up to him and says, hey, there's a lot of adventures and stories that I have that never got classified by the military that could help and she's also like don't worry about the techno babble nobody cares about that anyway no, no. And she says like i know what people like it's like aren't you an alien but then she says like well aren't you also an alien yes but i've been here longer you know martin he's ostensibly from off world but he's basically human so vala starts explaining her story and we see she's like my transport was out of control and i crashed on this planet and we see a shot of it like the transport going through the uh thing i think it's a hatak transport yeah it goes through the trees lands and apparently yeah it crashed on the uh, local Gould. yes who was ruling the planet and we see like the Gould's feet sticking out from <laughs> underneath the uh the ship <laughs> and very subtly she's wearing two ponytails vala yeah, and then she's like, and the locals, and we see like, okay, it's it's Munchkinland. It's it's or at this point we already know it's Wizard of Oz. Okay, yeah, clearly Wizard of Oz, and they brought her to a friendly Tokra who lived there, White Witch. <clears throat> yeah, um, and that who's actually that's that's Sam Carter yeah, in like a, a white dress. That's played by Amanda Tapping again, of course, of course. And says she said that there was a mighty ascended being who could help them out. And so she went to visit the ascended being, <laughs> and the, oh God, we cut to the ascended the ascended being, yes. and it's like the floating giant head of General Landry. Like <laughs> it's it's basically Zordon. I was going to say it's less Wizard of Oz and more Power Rangers, but you know, <laughs> whatever Stargate, you do you. Because she says like, and oh God, I love this line, because Fala says, well. First, I just wanted to get home, but now I want to be, like, a part of something. Like, a permanent part. <laughs> which she got in season 10. Yeah. Well, you, oh, God. Props to Claudia Black for delivering that, you know, straight. and not- Like, perfect with the, the pause in there and everything. And it's... <laughs> Claudia Black is a very good actress. Yeah. Can I just say that? So, but then we, we like pan over and oh it's because she says you could, could you also help my friends and we've got we've got mitchell daniel and uh tilk mitchell is like ben browder in like a scarecrow costume yeah and michael shanks is wearing the lion costume and taking a sip from a, a cup of coffee he's just got this done look on his face and the Tilk equivalent is christopher judge just standing there with the staff but like he's spray painted silver basically <laughs> and he's got a little metal tube on his nose you know he's <laughs> And it just, I love how it cross it fades. Yeah. It fades directly into them just standing in the same <laughs> pose there, just in the office, and it pans back to uh, Martin and Vala, and he's like, that's Wizard of Oz. And so she's like, oh, oh, you've you've seen that one. Oh, okay. <laughs> so stupid. God, I love when Stargate doesn't take itself too seriously. <laughs> Although, funnily enough, okay, so the next scene, we actually see that uh, Mitchell is coming down the stairs, Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, are we trying to dial the gate again? And like, yeah, we're, we're trying to fix this. 
and you've got uh, Walter and uh, Sam, you know, working on the computer. And they're like, okay, let's try dialing the gate again. And mm-hmm. so the gate starts spinning, but then there's a big power overload. It's, it's actually like shooting lightning out of the Stargate into the into the room, and it's just arcing everywhere. And like, we can't shut it down. Sam says, like, okay, close the Irish, close the blast doors, like, close everything, and try to shut it down. And Landry gets on the the intercom to the base and says, evacuate, immediate evacuation of the base. We got to get out of here. He actually. <laughs> He sends uh, Skylar in because he, he he Skylar needs to shut it down manually, and he finds the panel. It's like it's arcing everywhere, and he grabs it and he gets shot away from the lightning. Like what? they use just a, a, a puppet for that because he ragdolls like <laughs> all over the place. And but then he, he's up against the wall, and he's like, "Why does this always happen to me?" <laughs> and then we see the shot of uh, like people are trying to leave the base, and we mm-hmm. see Cheyenne Mountain from the outside. And uh, just, okay, then just the mountain explodes, okay? Yes. The mountain explodes. It's just the giant explosion, and then they're back at the tables like, well, that seems kind of ap- apocalyptic. It's like, of course, this was a story as well, yeah. right? <laughs> then Mitchell points out, like, hang on, we're we're live in the next scene. How does that work? I haven't figured that bit out yet, says Martin. Okay, I, I believe that this is how, <laughs> how scripts are made. Fine. <laughs> I get the feeling that they were, they were really taking the piss out of writing and executives in general. It must have been very cathartic for the writers of this episode. <laughs> and then, so Daniel's like, okay, like, well, you can't just do that. And it's like, okay, no, 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 we'll have you beamed out at the last second. Isn't that convenient? And then Martin's like, well, yeah, but if you, if you hang a lampshade on it, writing term, you just have somebody point out how convenient it is. <laughs> And then the audience will accept that. That'll be fine. That's what I mean. It's like, and is it Mitchell's who says, yes, like, it is. You should, <laughs> I love you this. Should, you should never underestimate your, the intelligence of your audience. They are usually very, what is it, kind and compassionate people? Yeah, never underestimate your audience. They're generally sensitive, intelligent people who respond positively to quality entertainment. <laughs> it's like, and it's like okay, we just we've we've done away with the fourth wall at this point. Yeah, it's like, gone. Hi there, fourth wall. How are you doing? Also, you know, thank you, Ben Browder. We appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're like, okay, well, what about this other treatment that you have here? This other idea. And so then we cut to another another reference. Oh God! They walk in like. Yeah, they walk into the bridge of uh, Prometheus. And so, yeah, Mitchell walks in. They're wearing grey uniforms. He's got, like, a red striping on his around the neck. Yeah, and Sam has blue striping on hers. And like... sits down in the captain's chair and it swivels around. <laughs> and he just sits forward, leaning on his, on his knee. I love Teal'c in the background because he has, like, really miscolored ears. And, like, his shirt half open. Yeah, <laughs> his shirt's... Yeah, shirt half open. Plunging neckline, you could call it. But then he says, like, okay, we- weapons are at maximum. The singularity is about to explode. Right, yeah. That's uh, Sam's line, actually. The singularity is about to explode. And Cap- and Mitchell's like, can you reverse the polarity? <laughs> it's like, I'll try, she says. And blinks, and we get a freaking yeah, like, blink sound effect. Blink, blink. Like, blink, blink. And there's, he says, like... What do you see, Doctor? And it's like, ah, oh, there's a solar flare coming in. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's, and it's Michael, Michael Shanks, Shanks doing his best uh, Bones impression, <laughs> looking up from the scanner. Like, yeah. Damn it. There's a solar flare. And then <laughs> Mitchell's like, engine room, 
can you give me warp speed? And we cut to the engine room. And it's actually Brad Wright, who's the co-creator. He's a producer of Stargate. Yeah. And he's like, I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. I mean, if we're throwing out all the stops anyway, might as well. But I also like that apparently he was very good at doing a Scottish voice. You know what's funny is the production notes. It was supposed to be Carson Beckett, you know, from Atlantis, who is Scottish. But they were like, you know what? No, I've been working on this show for 10 years. Yes. I'm going to be on the show. So fair enough. <laughs> right fair play is. to you, sir. And so we then cut back to the room and everyone's looking around like, and Carter just says, the singularity is about to explode. Uh, everything in that sentence makes no sense. Yeah, everything in that sentence is wrong. Like, oh God, okay, no, no, we're not, you're not doing that one. He's like, all right, fine. Okay. And then, then Martin gets a call on his cell phone and he's like, what? No, they did what? No. Oh, Fine. And so he puts it down. And basically the, the studio, what the studio wants to do is like some of the financing backed out. So like, okay, let's recast the, the movie with younger, edgier versions of the cast, oh, of God. the crew. <laughs> and we get, we get a perspective of the road not taken. What if yeah, what Stargate if? had big cast with teenagers? What if Stargate was on the CW? Uh, that's basically <laughs> what it is. And we've got like younger, like teen Tilk who's got, like, a big head of hair, and he's kissing, like, this uh, woman. He's like, then they come in, shoot her. It's like, what'd you do that for, dog? It's, it's like, like, she was totally a ghoul, yo. Yeah, yeah, I'd still tap that. And then he gets on the phone. It's like, yo, you nerds figured out the science bit. And it cuts down to, like, teen Daniel and teen Vala. And Daniel's like, yeah, I'm translating as fast as I can, man. Eee. Teen Vala is basically like, nobody understand, appreciates me. It was just an object. And that accent is actually dead on for yeah, Sonya yeah. Black's accent. And Teen Daniel's like, yeah, I just I feel like nobody respects me. And then Teen Vala turns to him and is like, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and we cut back and everyone, everyone. Everyone's like. We go around the room, just no, no, nope. no. And then, well, we cut to Tilk and he's just glaring at. It's like, it's like perfect, like, no. If The biggest no formulated into a stare yeah Tilk's so good at that and so then uh they he gets up to go to go leave to go make another call then vala actually goes after martin it's like okay okay so you want something less obvious i've got the perfect thing for you first she guesses she basically does something like a three-hour reconnaissance mission gilligan's island it's like you got that from a three-hour reconnaissance mission it's like look pick something that people aren't going to get immediately if you're going to steal something steal from something obscure which she does yeah i guess because she says all right here we go and we cut to now i don't know really what this is i have no idea that this was very confused do these people even speak english no it's it's really weird so like we have claudia black in mm -hmm. like a leather uh, tank top and she's walking around this like this weirdly organic looking thing are they on a ship are they in a base i don't know, I don't know. and there's smoke around the floor and she's like we have to what what did she say star jump starburst the frail out of here i don't okay I, i've written this mostly down phonetically but it makes no sense either way no and she goes around to there's michael shanks is there and he's done up in like red and black leather mm -hmm. he's like gonna yeah we're in a lot of trouble we gotta get out of here yeah. and there's you know lights flashing and and then like i think i what i assume is a man of tapping walking in stumbling in i guess well actually before that we <laughs> we pan across and ben browder is also there in like a brown robe and he's got like a metal mask on half a his half face mask? i don't know 
It's weird. And I think he's doing an Australian accent for whatever reason. I have no idea. This is so weird. For a second, I thought I dropped acid just between scenes. And there's also, yeah, Amanda Tapping comes in and she's like got like white makeup on. She's got, like gray white skin and yeah, white hair. Yeah, short hair. And she's just like, she goes over to Teal'c who has like weird extra makeup, like tentacles and like a beard. Like beard braids and a small Red tentacle. Beard, I think. Yeah. And she's like, son of, what is it? I, no, I did write this down as well. Son of a Dren. And Tilk says, like, has mana? I don't know what any of these words mean. I think this, are they just speaking a language I don't know? Possibly. I mean, we know that sci-fi series, like, Battlestar Galactica does this where they're like, frack, but this is a bit much. Yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. And then <laughs> the last thing is we pan across, and, like, this is all going on that makes no sense and it's no. really weird. And the weirdest thing is, like, we see uh, Thor, of all <laughs> puppets, with, like, a purple and red robes and, a like, a little... Mustache? Uh, yeah, like, tiny little mustache. And he's, like, he, we just close in on him and he just goes, yachts! Yeah, and then you just go back and Martin is, like, yeah, I have no idea what that is. You're right. And yeah, like, and neither do I. Like, what the hell was that? Like, I had a look yeah, into okay. this. Apparently, this was a earlier science fiction show that Claudia Black and Ben Browder were in. Oh, what was it called? Farscape. <laughs> I mean, just from that clip, it seems a bit ridiculous. It seems a bit too extreme for my yeah, taste. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, every actor has to get started somewhere. I think they the, yeah. their career really picked up once they got this. I mean, fair play to her for you know, bringing out the, the old shades like this. Oh, okay, another oh. one. Oh, all right. Okay. okay, this time. Okay, this oh, that time never for gets sure. easier. All right. Okay, okay. No, where are we? All right. Okay, DVDs. Okay, what's on the screen? No. Okay, Ben Browder, Claudia Black. We're getting closer. Okay. Okay. No. Wait. Oh God damn it! This is Stargate. All right. Okay, we're almost there. I love that show. Yeah. I mean, if we were doing a podcast, it would take way too long, though. Okay, we have to get out of here. Yeah, you're right. Okay, come on. Um, this should be it, though. Okay, oh, uh, there's a gate over there. Okay, let's dial it. Oh, try reading through Solar Flight. It always works in that series. Perfect. All right, I got it. Okay, this should be the home address. All right, if we do this right, we should be able to get back. Okay, here we go. All right, let's go. Yo. Yep. Oh, God, that's okay. I've had okay. enough wormholes for one day. All right. Uh-huh. Okay. We should be back. Hey, Pats. Oh, yeah. That's us. That sounds like us. Okay. Shh, like, shh. Okay. Right, follow me. Hi, behind there. Behind there. You know, okay, I'm yeah, just... no, no. There's <laughs> Hello, Jago, nice to meet you. Okay, this should be it. All right, perfect. Like, we might be like back before scenes, we left. I think we'll be okay. It does bring yeah. up okay. one okay. interesting question. Grab that rock. Grab that rock. Here, you take this one. Who actually organized this escape? Because we've seen... Okay, okay. Okay, okay, yeah, that no, works. we're back. Uh, Alright, Farscape, we've got the DVDs. Okay. Alright, okay, I'll just check. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll clean up the bodies later. Um, Alright, let me just check which episode we're... Um, oh no. Oh, we're back at season... We're back at season one, episode one. Look, this is the best chance we're gonna get. You're probably right. Well, here we go. Okay, that's everything caught up. We're back to season four. Back where we were when we started. Okay. Oh, God, that was a hell of a... Exhausting. Yeah. Well, at least we have a buffer now. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. Do we ever have a buffer? (laughs) Uh, Maybe we should do something in the meantime. What do you think? Hey, hats. Look what I got. 
<gasps> is that what I think it is? Yeah, Firefly Season 2 DVDs. Woohoo! Yes! All the work was worth it. Suck it, Fox.